Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. Indie Game Business is recorded live on Mixer and produced by the Powell Group. Check us out at IndieGame.Business. Now, let's start the show with your hosts, Jay Powell and me, Indy. What's up, everybody? My name's Indy, and the gentleman sitting next to me is Mr. Uh, overstressed Jay Powell that doesn't sleep anymore. <laughs> and this is Indie Game Business. Today, we have uh, Raj. Raj Ko- Hold on. Hold on, you I can it, say you it. had it a minute ago. I know. I, Raj Raj Kotia with us, and he's hanging out, and he's going he's going to um, give us some learnings is what he's going to do. So, yeah, I met Raj a couple of weeks ago, and he's he's got some really cool, interesting stuff going on in terms of a new way for, for indie studios to acquire users and do marketing and, and all this wonderful stuff. So we invited him on the show to talk about that and the indie situation and the indie opportunities in india indie opportunities in india there we go um and a lot of stuff along along the way too so raj welcome we're gonna start where we always start and and tell us how you got into the industry and walk us through your career up to this point sure so um so thank you, Jay and team, Andy, uh, team for having me. Um, so I, I've been uh, in U.S. almost uh, 24 years, um, but first 12 years, I would say, was in East Coast doing mostly fintech. Um, so the fintech is my passion uh, that I, I had uh, for first 12 years of my uh, career. But then my, I slowly and gradually transitioned to L.A. market, and I've been in Los Angeles, um, Santa Monica slash Malibu area for almost 12 years. And in that area, uh, I obviously, it's a lot of entertainment, a lot of gaming companies out here. Um, and um, I entered the gaming uh, companies through a, an engagement with Riot Games. Uh, Riot Games, when I joined, um, it was early, uh, during early days, there were, I think, barely 300 people or so. Um, and, uh, and the way they grew through online uh, PC side of it, uh, and also esports and various different elements. So it was very fascinating. So uh, that was how I entered into the gaming. Uh, I love gaming now. Uh, I've been um, a hardcore gamer now for almost 10 years now. Yeah, I noticed your League of Legends shirt you had on as well. Yeah, it's a personalized League of Legends shirt with my unbeatable Raj <laughs> as my summoner name uh, engraved in it. <laughs> Awesome. So I know you've got, you've got some data you want to get started with. Let's pull up the, or go ahead and pull up that presentation that you had and let's go through that first and then we'll get into uh, questions and all that sort of stuff. And, and while he's doing that, I'll remind everybody that next week we have the Indie Game Business virtual business matchmaking event that is merged with the Meet to Match formerly on-site event in San Francisco, but since the US-EU ban on travel, everything's online. And so you've got 700 companies, 700 plus companies, and the meeting slots are now opened up 24 hours a day for you know five full days. So if you don't want to sleep, you could theoretically do 240 meetings next week. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that though. Uh, if you are, if you don't have a ticket yet, remember we cut prices on everything by 50% to help folks with, you know, that got a little bit cash strapped and hosed from GDC. Uh, and you can go to our site, indiegame.business and get links to get your ticket. You, If you don't have the link for the discount, the discount code is IndieDevs, I-N-D-I-E-D-E-V-S, and you'll be good to go. And I'll post this up in chat and let you get started, Raj. Okay, thank you, Jay, yeah. So, um, so I, I, instead of going through the typical um, slide-by-slide -slide presentation, I really wanted to just uh, give a brief overview of um, what the indie state is. So I've been talking to a lot of indie developers over the last uh, five plus years. And one of the common theme that I'm seeing for many of the indie games that have survived after five years or they have shut down uh, is one number one thing is on the marketing front and also scaling users. 
So they need uh, game users. So that's one thing, that's number one issue that uh, I've heard from those uh, indie game developers. And when uh, they talk about scaling, they want to get profitable users. So I was talking to a few guys in Santa Monica a couple of days ago, uh, and they, they were saying that acquiring users uh, might be something um, uh, that uh, that's people have a lot of companies do that, but uh, what they want to do is really have that lifetime value of a user or a profitable user. Um, so that's something that uh, it's a very common problem as we know in, in the industry. And then they need to show this user growth for the next level of funding. Because many indie studios after two, three, five years, right? Um, they pretty much, if they don't show the growth, if they don't have the user base, they are shutting down. Um, so this is where I found this niche problem that uh, many of us, uh, and I put us in the category of indie developers, uh, face with. So this, this is the key problem statement uh, that we are addressing, right? Um, uh, and I have some industry experience that I'm gonna share uh, that, uh, that may be relevant for this conversation. Sorry, I had a guest jump into my office. I had to mute myself. So what, I mean, this is something that it doesn't just affect mobile developers, it affects a lot of, I mean, it affects any kind of developers in any games. So what are, you know, some of the most basic things that you're seeing being done to, to solve it? And then where are you and your team getting involved even deeper to help the indie devs overcome this situation? Yeah. So uh, one of the key things that um, basic level, right? So we, we work with an indie, few indie game developers uh, and we've quickly found out that for acquiring users, especially in the developed countries, whether it is um, US or slash Canada, um, it is expensive. We also tried the uh, EU route, and EU route was um, uh, also relatively expensive. So we looked at the cost of user acquisition. So it ranges anywhere from four to five dollars. That was the cost of user acquisition. And then uh, the area that also was, okay, there are so many, not only mobile games, but on the PC side or even on the console side, uh, and uh, even some of the emerging technologies on AR and VR, uh, it's uh, the more, the higher the value chain, the higher expensive it is. So, um, so that's something that we, we, we realized after talking to many different um, uh, growth areas or, or, the, or the companies. So then what we decided, and I'm going to share the next screen, and this is overwhelming, but I'll share it at a much um, uh, direct solution level. Um, so we looked at many of the emerging markets. Uh, we looked at, uh, for example, uh, China is one of the emerging or well-developed market for the gaming side. We looked at um, uh, EU, especially, um, uh, yeah, like a UK side we looked at, we looked at some of the Russian sites that we can get some good user base out there. Uh, Belarus was another country that we, we looked into. Um, and after going through several different countries, we found out that uh, we want to concentrate on, on a country that's still emerging, still there is lack of content, and the potential is huge. Um, so we, uh, and also coming from India, especially myself, uh, 24 years ago, uh, that's something that I felt that, that there is a potential out in that market. So I studied the market extensively. Uh, and then we, there are a lot of new zoo articles that, um, that I, I can uh, share after this, this presentation about uh, why India's mobile growth or the rise of uh, esports mobile or even just uh, the largest smartphone emerging market uh, is, uh, is growing, uh, especially in India. It's now the second largest um, uh, smartphone user base. So what we, we, we uh, after analyzing that, we found indie developers especially, if they want to get a user, and these are some of the stats that, um, that uh, we, we can easily share, a cost of user acquisition was around seven cents per user. Uh, seven, <laughs> yeah. yep. So it was seven cents per user for a cost of acquisition. And then the immediate ROI after two, three, three months was around dollar forty dollar fifty right so be based on in-game purchases based on um, uh, some of the ad revenue that we we were able to capitalize on so between those two uh, the dollar forty dollar fifty 
And then the lifetime value, assuming they stay with the, with the game for at least a year, uh, you're looking at four to five dollar for a user. So based on this pure numbers for the indie side, to me it was a no-brainer. So when I talk to indie game developers, literally they say, okay, let's evaluate the game, let's figure out it's a right fit for the Indian market, and then let's deploy it. So, so that's one of the key metrics that uh, that we we quickly realize it's far more rewarding. And then the second element um, that we also looked at was uh, uh, how much does it cost to to bring the the game to India, right? Uh, apart from just doing the basic marketing that can be as low as five thousand dollars a month, um, or it can go as high as you want. Uh, the reward or the break-even point can be achieved within two to three months, right? So that's something that we also did some stats on that. Um, and there is also an industry reference. So it's not just coming out of um, just thin air, all these numbers, right? Where we looked at PUBG's model in India and how uh, PUBG was able to scale with the number of downloads and the revenue that it was generated by PUBG. And then we also looked at Call of Duty. That's another one. We looked at Clash of Clans and uh, several different games, right? Uh, and even with Dota 2 and then uh, uh, League of Legends is one of the products that we are targeting right now. Um, so all those products have tremendous growth potential in India. So, <clears throat> and, and I was over in India late last year. And the first thing that I noticed, especially coming from the West, is like that there's virtually no PC and console market at all. It's all mobile phones. Given that the cost of user acquisition is so low, because that's a ridiculous, you know, drop from four or five dollars down to seven cents. But why do you why do you think this hasn't grown and more companies aren't, you know, capitalizing on this right now? Yeah, so that's a very good question. So I, I believe it's just awareness. Um, so the more, and that's one of the things that I'm, I'm doing right now, obviously they, they want to podcast with you, um, uh, Jay, but uh, overall the awareness doesn't exist. Uh, and then when I talk to a few other uh, past people that have tried it, they tried to bring, they were not, they were, they were trying to bring the games that were not a good fit. And they also, many times what people do, they just discounted out by nature indians are non-violent people so the pubg kind of a game won't even be successful so uh, like i talked to a few investors and even um, the game developers uh, two weeks ago um, and they were saying that oh we didn't realize that uh, and this was they were trying to evaluate the market two years ago three years ago and before pubg phenomena uh, they were just discounting the entire market by saying, oh, we, the game has to be more chess-based or that it has to be more fun-based or learning-based rather than a, a first-person shooter game uh, because they never thought that first-person shooter game would be as popular as, uh, as the typical uh, mindset that people thought. So PUBG was one of the key, uh, I would say, uh, game that pretty much changed many people's perception. Um, and uh, to me, that's where the market is untapped. There are certain games that are going to be super successful. PUBG, obviously, Call of Duty are just uh, the action games, but then there are strategy games. Then there are also poker-based games or the, the card-based games that we believe are going to be super successful. And uh, the more the content goes there, the more it becomes successful. And this is not on the, just the gaming side, right? Netflix is investing billions of dollars, right, uh, with making some Indian content, not only for U.S. market, but also for Indian market. Uh, so is uh, companies like Disney and, and many other uh, big, big enterprises. So India is just a, to me, it's just a emerging market that's going to explode soon. So what types of games, I mean, now that it's, it's been proven that, yeah, shooters do work, but what other types of games are best suited for the market? Yeah. So based on our industry analysis and talking to actual gamers, right, going to colleges and uh, our team uh, in India that, that is constantly evaluating the opportunities and, and socializing many of the, the components, um, they, they are constantly trying to get the user feedback, gamer feedback, uh, college feedback, uh, younger generation uh, feedback. And what they say is um, the card-based games, are, are super popular. 
um, uh, then um, there are strategy games that can be super popular. Uh, so, so in US context, something like um, Clash of Clans uh, or poker, right? So, so there's an Indian version of poker called Rami, which is a basic uh, poker game. Um, so that's, that's is, I, I believe, number two or number three in the most popular game around download right now. Um, so, um, so those games are highly popular. Um, so, and then the other one is just the word of friends, and then um, then you have uh, uh, even Farmville type of games that would be very popular. Hit the wrong button. I was trying to pull something up there. So, how are you? You've you've got a, a good solution to getting in there and helping developers acquire users because there's more to it than you know just the Indian market. I mean, being able to acquire users, you know, cheaply is going to help with soft launches and building KPIs and you know bug fixing, balancing all that sort of issue. How is it that that your company is going about? helping these developers yeah. grab all these users so what we do is first do the basic assessment right which is a fit level assessment um we do uh, so obviously myself in in us and many of the team members that we have out here are partners that uh, help us do assessment the assessment includes okay let's evaluate your game does it need localization uh, in many cases, there is no need for localization because the target market that we we uh, um, we are we are trying to get users or the gamers are are mostly English speaking users, right? So there is no um, uh, need for any of the the localization element. There might be a few tweaks here and there with the local currency that we have to sh uh, show in terms of your uh, virtual currencies. But apart from that, there is very little localization that needs to happen. Um, so we do that uh, evaluation as if there is a right um, uh, fit, then the next step is uh, we looked at, uh, okay, um, how, do, how much scale you're looking at. So based on your business performance metrics, the, the, or the game performance metrics, if you're looking at 1,000 MAUs, for example, then the cost obviously is much, much lower. If you're looking at um, uh, like 100,000 MAUs, right, in the next three months, or what is your time frame? whether it's one month, two months, three, mo three months, um, based on your time frame, then we say, okay, this is the X amount of funding and marketing dollars that uh, you need uh, for being successful. Uh, and then everything is performance-based. That's a key metrics that we, we share and we tell uh, the, the indie developers. Um, uh, we, we have also an option for even revenue. In many cases, we subsidize the initial up, up, uh, upfront cost by subsidizing uh, the, the investment by just doing a revenue share. Um, so that's another option that we present uh, to the indie developers. Ultimately, the more uh, the developers are successful, uh, also uh, personally, obviously, I want to make sure that they are successful so we, we can be successful. So that's a a mutual win-win situation uh, in this context. So oh, look, let's jump over to the to the esports side as, as well. Yeah, and you can go ahead and turn your camera back on too if you want. Okay. What are the when I, when I was over there, they were doing the championship, some of the championships for League of Legends, CS:GO. And I didn't see a PUBG one, but that could have easily just overlooked it. I mean. What are the the big esports? What's the opportunity for esports in India right now? And are there titles that you can see that are starting to, you know, make headway into that? Because globally, everybody talks about esports and esports and esports, but at the end of the day, it's it's still based around like five or six main games. What's it like, you know, in, in, in India, are there other titles that people should be looking at or, or thinking of in the coming months? Yeah, so uh, so India, uh, there are a couple of things you can do, right? So one is looking at the big right? Um, obviously like PUBG or even League of Legends or, or, um, or even uh, let's say Call of Duty. Those are the bigger titles where the monetization part of esports is around teams. 
So one is the, the, the uh, teams that are competing at a global level that are also emerging. You can get it at a much cheaper level compared to uh, like the U.S. team where you have to spend a couple million dollars, right? Or even more, more of that, more of that uh, uh, dollar to spend that you may end up doing. Um, um, so that's one area is the team thing. The second uh, area that um, that we target, that uh, something that uh, people are also aware of, is uh, the the brand sponsorship, because it's such an emerging market. Uh, you get a lot of brand sponsorship, whether it's from Audi, from Pepsi, or or Red Bull, right, or even Rockstar. Those kind of uh, drinks. Um, you get tremendous amount of sponsorship uh, revenue that uh, esports gather, uh, and on the game title side, there is this uh, internal competition. If if it's a right platform, if it's a it's the right way of executing, there are a lot of uh, small uh, hubs. It's not like the PC Bank in South Korea, but it's more like a, a social activity where you have a couple hundred people that gather uh, in the mall and they do some kind of a um, local uh, activity for participating into a tournament where there might be um, a, a big success uh, on that front. Uh, a perfect example would be something like what Dream11 is one of the companies that does mostly on the IPL side, which is the, the Indian Premier League uh, on, the, on, on that front that people uh, do. But then there are a lot of other small companies especially for your audience, indie developers, is something that they can do at a more of a localized way where you can run a competition and you can easily do a break-even. So that's the key thing that I want to focus on is like, especially for indie, any investment you do, the goal is to either break-even or exceed the revenue. So for those local competitions, are they PC-based or is it still mostly mobile? So it's mostly mobile, right? So that's the, the cultural or smartphone-based. Uh, it's I would say 95% um, it's mobile. All right. So how does an indie team, either in the U.S. or in Europe, Middle East, go about getting involved in, in the Indian market, especially the Indian esports market? So one would be, and I'm not trying to sell myself, but one would be finding a partner like ourselves, right? So a next-gen TM is one of the, the partners that you can partner with, but there are a few other companies too. So uh, it's not just us in the, in the marketplace. But finding a local partner that has both U.S. expertise and uh, Indian expertise would be one of the key uh, successful metrics. Because now if you're dealing with a U.S. company with U.S. regulations, and uh, it's something that uh, you're protected by. Um, so, uh, um, so that's one route to go about. The other one is that you can technically take a smaller risk and set up your shop by yourself, right? So everything, um, unlike China or, or many other countries, uh, a U.S. entity can, do, uh, can operate in India much easily uh, with the right structure, with the right uh, uh, legal setup. They can much um, uh, easily set up their operation and test the market. But to me, the low-risk item would be finding a partner uh, and um, and test it out with either a revenue-based model or a performance-based model where you are taking a very minimal risk uh, for a maximum reward, which is what, if you think about, uh, like, what, what Riot did, right? I mean, this is coming as an ex-writer. Uh, this is coming from my personal experience, like partnering with Garena, for example, or what Garena did, uh, or Tencent, right? Uh, when they, they were almost like, PUBG technically was an indie, right? Uh, so they found companies like those to test this uh, emerging Asian market. And, um, and, and, and it was mostly, uh, they did some kind of revenue share, um, and and ultimately, it became a huge success for everyone. So, how much of the how is the mobile market split between iOS and Android? Is it most? I mean, I would assume it's mostly Android. That's correct. Yes, yeah. so I would say uh, speaking, I would say close to ninety percent is Android. Uh, less than ten percent is iOS. So, uh, but. Go ahead. Uh, no, uh, uh, while we've been talking, I pulled up App Annie and I'm looking at the top charts in India overall, um, you know, and, and in games. And one, obviously enough, on the iOS side, the uh, 
the pandemic game is number one across the board. But when you switch over to Android, it's a whole different ball game. You know, PUBG's up there, and then there is an action title from Singapore. There's a much who's that coin masters from Israel. There's some you know native Indian games. Then Japan is a much more global spectrum. And and the um, the pandemic game isn't anywhere near the top of the list when you switch it. So there's a big difference between what people are buying on iOS and what people are buying on Android. And if you're looking at the market, you need to definitely pay more attention to the Android side than you do the iOS side. Uh, it's interesting that there's that big of a that there's that big of a difference in the first place. Um, all right. So if you're out there, if you're listening, if you have questions for Raj, you know anything along the lines of user acquisition or you know the market in India or what you need to be doing in the U.S. and, and Western areas to take advantage of this too. Pop them in chat. We've got Restream open, and so we're seeing everybody's chat everywhere. Um, ask a question, and, and we'll get it answered for sure. Uh, we got a lot of people on YouTube today. That's interesting. So, what from what you're hearing, and I know you're in California. You're you're not in India, but and we can look at this from California too. Obviously, everything right now is the coronavirus. How is what are you seeing in California? And then what are you hearing in India along the lines of how this is going to affect gaming and esports in general? Yeah. So I, I think um, this can be a, a, a big opportunity or a, a mind shifter too, because traditionally what I've seen, and, and again, I'm just using my personal experience here. Uh, I always prefer in person meetings. I prefer. Um, doing whiteboarding session uh, with the de developers or the game developers. Uh, and there were a lot of uh, in-person conversations that I, I always had. Uh, with, with the coronavirus situation, obviously things are shifting. And now people are uh, kind of you know, testing the water right now uh, by saying, okay, let me see if I wanted to do the game dev in India, or if I wanted to, um, uh, try out the service model or even the esports model. Can I do it remotely? Um, and can I set up a virtual esports uh, uh, arena where I can have thousands of people watching and streaming? So in in essence, it's uh, it's something that people are now more more open to. And literally this week, I got three calls from indie developers saying that yeah, we have traditionally not done. Uh, outsourcing slash um, or tapped into the Indian market. Uh, are are you um, something that you're open to and can we try out with one or two developers? So I'm getting a lot of uh, traction on that because of the coronavirus situation. Well, I mean, we're seeing it too. We've got the event next yeah. week and we have, we're quickly approaching triple the ticket sales that we had for the last event you know, simply because everything is going online and, and we've got some, um, you know, some other opportunities and we've had phone calls too from other, you know, events and they're like, okay, so tell us about this online thing. And I'm like, oh, you know, we've been doing it for a year, you know, so it's, it's something that we're used to and we're accustomed to, but that's a question that I got asked, you know, by a newspaper this week. It's like, how does this affect esports? And I got the impression that they thought, I was going to say it was going to be a huge hit and it was going to cost people a lot of money. But the reality is, I don't think it, I think this is an opportunity for esports more than anything else because now people are going to have more free time. And then I asked the, the woman that I was speaking with and I said, do you commute to work? And she said, yeah. And I said, how long does it take? She said 30, 45 minutes. I said, well, okay, there you go. Now you have an extra hour, hour and a half in your day. How are you going to feel that? And so I, I think, you know, as bad as all this stuff is going around, it, this is actually an opportunity for a lot of companies in, in esports. That's so true, yeah. Esports gaming, right? Uh, because now people are a lot more uh, willing to um, talk about work from home uh, situation, right? Uh, and if you're talking from work from home, 
uh, essentially you have remote uh, workforce. Uh, now your remote workforce can be in US or can be in any part of the world, right? Um, so that's where the mindsets are opening up. We had somebody just ask on YouTube, does, does eSports get affected? But all right, so one of the ways that it could be affected, especially in India, you're saying everybody gathers in these malls to, you know, to play. Obviously, on-site events are going to get hit. But, That's correct, yeah. You know, how much does that factor into, because we've been doing eSports for 15, 20 years. I mean, I first heard about and got involved in eSports when StarCraft came out and Korea just like went absolutely crazy over StarCraft. It, it's not like this is new to us. We've been playing online forever. And there was an article this morning talking about how the Indian, not Indian, Italian telecoms are getting hit on bandwidth right now because everybody's at home, everybody's quarantined. So they're watching Netflix, they're streaming movies, and they're playing games. And so it's... That is, it's one of those things. It's like, I think this is going to be a good thing. Um, yeah. And I completely just lost my train of thought. That happens quite a bit. So. Are you looking for a publisher for your game? Well, we have something special just for you. It's the most comprehensive listing of PC, console, and mobile publishers in the industry. Over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites. You can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list. And you can get it for free. Check it out. How can, I'm just trying to, think through some of this because there is such an opportunity. I mean, it's like seven cents. I just can't get over that. And so that's the big problem that developers and publishers see right now. You know, we frequently recommend indie devs do not get involved in free-to-play game. Don't make a free-to-play game and then go, we're going to find a publisher for it because the cost for acquisition in the U.S. is more than you're going to see from the lifetime of that player. But now it kind of gets flipped on its head. So if they, and we heard similar numbers like this from the from the MENA region, from Middle East and, and North Africa. Once the, you know, players get it, and I mean, once the, the developers get it and they release it in India and they start getting their KPIs in, how well do those KPIs transfer to other markets? I mean, are there... Are players more likely to spend in India versus they are in Western markets, you know, even down to like reviews, but how can they, once they've got a good base in India, how can, how well does all that stuff translate to the rest of the world? Yeah. So, so that's something that uh, even when I was at uh, Warner Games, Warner Brothers, right? Um, we looked at their different market and we looked at some of the mobile titles and along with the console and PC uh, space. One of the things that uh, we looked at, okay, if you are successful in, in India or China or uh, Asian countries, that doesn't directly translate to success in US or even in EU and vice versa too. So that's one area that, um, that uh, we still have to analyze and do more deep dive. However, if you are profitable, if you have a consistent user growth, and you're looking at uh, even just if you talk about the smartphone users, which is close to 300 or 400 million uh, users, which is almost the same as the entire U.S. population, right? <laughs> Out of the 1.4 billion people in India, you have 400 million people who have uh, smartphones, right? Uh, and they play some kind of video game, right? Or some kind of uh, mobile games. So um, you have that much captive audience that you can be selling content, uh, marketing them. And, and these are the people that look at Amazon um, uh, model, Amazon.in, huge success. They pretty much wiped out many of the local uh, retailers or local uh, websites, right? Because when Amazon came in just a few years ago, same thing with Netflix, uh, they, they started looking at the, the captive audience. They started promoting the content. and um, uh, with their prime membership, which is much cheaper in India than out here, uh, they, they are profitable uh, I mean, tremendously, right? So same thing with on the indie game side, 
if you're profitable and you're making money and you can show that traction, you can go into another Asian country or you can come back to US and start promoting that uh, same model. However, you have to be careful um, where if you're looking to promote the same game in India and then also in US, there might be some cultural localization element that you may want to tweak to, but those are going to be minor. But, uh, but there are successful models that uh, I would say, again, PUBG has implemented, but then, uh, then you have other games that are very successful in India, but not so that successful in US. But then you have also games like PUBG that are successful on both continents. So what, how is PUBG different in India than it is for you know, us in the US? What changes did they make? Uh, very little to none. The only thing they right? So PUBG didn't make any localization content changes. But then you look at some of the other games that they have uh, tailored with the, the cultural reference background. So sometimes they have done the skinning. So we put literally on the background skins and, and so forth and so on, some characters that were specially uh, built for the Indian market, but those are very few. And PUBG essentially didn't do any, any changes like that. Uh, they, they partner with the right uh, local marketing firm, local uh, brands, and with obviously Tencent uh, influence, uh, they were really able to capitalize um, the, the fastest growing user market. So we're seeing a lot of indie devs start porting their PC titles to especially Switch, but also, you know, to Android. And we're seeing a, a little bit of a, a growth in the premium side of, of Android games. How does this compare? I mean, it, are the opportunities in India solely for free-to-play or are you seeing any movement on the premium side as well? Yeah, so we looked at um, three different um, free-to-play. One is the uh, freemium model, where there are a lot of in-game purchases. And then we also looked into the subscription-based model, along with um, pay-to-play pay models. So we looked at uh, all four type of models. We found out that the most successful was free-to-play. However, uh, the ad revenue, uh, based on our, some of the initial pilots that we did, um, we, we quickly uh, realized that the ad revenue by just having the, the Google AdSense built in, and there are some special uh, ads that we tailored for some of the companies, uh, that was um, a huge monetization opportunity. Um, so, uh, so ad revenue alone pays far more than any uh, initial downloads or initial um, app purchases that you may want to think about. Um, so, so that's the recommendation I, get, I tell most of the indie developers. And as far as porting your PC games to a mobile games, this is something, again, not to sell my uh, company services, but that's something <laughs> we do. Uh, uh, we do it extensively, right? So we take your PC title and we help you do into like so-called mobile-friendly, responsive um, uh, title space. Uh, and there are a lot of elements that floats very seamlessly. There are some elements that you'd be careful. Uh, but considering there are, uh, PUBG also did the same thing with PUBG Lite. So there, there is a PUBG mobile game, but then the PUBG PC, they um, refactored that PUBG PC, the, the big on PC game, into a PUBG Lite game. Um, so the PUBG Lite is something that people obviously can play on their, uh, at their home machines, but they can also technically, if you wanted to play it on your mobile phone, you can also do that. So, so that's where uh, refactoring your game from a big uh, P, uh, online or PC model to a lighter world is something that we have done it and we something we would recommend the game developers. But don't worry about you know plugging your own company, Raj. We, we <laughs> never do that ourselves either. I mean, unless you're a developer <laughs> who needs a publisher or you need help on the business side of the industry, <laughs> give us a call. And by the way, go get a ticket to our event next week. Um, how do you if if you've got a game in India, I mean, or in the in the U.S. that that is premium, how much does it cannibalize your own? sales I, I like the idea of taking a premium game especially for indies when they're looking at this as uh ancillary revenue truthfully because you don't i mean there are very few indies who sit down and do their p l statement i mean there's very few indies who do a p l statement but the ones that do they don't typically factor in a lot of these markets globally which is why i love having folks like you on here it's like look 
India is, is a very viable market. The Middle East, North Africa, very viable market. But how much does it cannibalize sales if you do an ad-based version of the game in India versus a premium version in the US or Europe? Yeah, so that's technically a highly recommended, Jay, what you uh, pointed out. In US, the ad-based model that people don't like it, right? So coming from, again, the uh, dev and the publisher side, uh, we we personally don't like ad-based models. Um, so um, so that's something that you have to tailor. So that's why we, we have created this technology framework or an option where you take your premium version of the game, but when you're launching in countries like India, your sole revenue can be pure ad base, whether it's forced ads, whether it is um, um, uh, banner ads, whether it is a, it rewards ads, so yeah, any any of those of the ad mod modules that you can uh, build in. So, so that's something you can easily do uh, while you take the same content out of the emerging market or Asian market. And in the US market or even in EU, the ad base uh, model be something you will have to disable. So our framework allows you to enable and disable based on the, the in-country deployment you will be doing. There you go. I mean, that's it because it's, we operate on a global scale now. I mean, it's, it's very much the world is not flat. When I started doing this, we used to have to put things in boxes and, and send them to, you know, countries to be sold. And we had 20 some different distribution agreements for one game, but now, you know, with digital and downloads, you as an indie dev or as any dev, you really have to think, what's the best model for this market? You know, and, and it's not always going to be the very same thing. You know, it's it's so if you can take your your game, no matter how you're selling it here in the West, and, and then adapt it to do something else in other countries, go for it. You know, the question is, so do, do you all do this? I mean, if a developer has a, a project that they want to, you know, release in India, they don't have the internal resources to do it. You all will take and do the the localization, culturalization, the tweaks that need to be done to, to get it to launch? That's correct, yeah. So that's one of our core strength, right? So not only like we are a like publisher or a partner uh, for a local developer, uh, for the local publication in India, but we have tech resources. So uh, we are more of a tech company or technology slash game developer company rather than uh, a typical, just a marketing company as people may classify us. Uh, so our, our name, Next Generation, Gen TM, Tech and Media, is really about technology first. How do we take your game titles, your indie titles, and, and really create that framework of microservices, and not to get too technical here, but uh, create a microservices where you have a, an option to replace your payment system, because that's another thing that's very critical. Um, so if you're doing in-game purchases, or if you're doing some of the elements within your indie game, uh, then that's something um, you will need a local payment service provider. Uh, so with whether uh, it's a PTM, which is one of the provider, or we use also Stripe. So whether you use Stripe or whether you use Paytm or whether you use just a pure PayPal kind of a system, uh, that's one of the things that uh, we can enable or disable. Uh, so that's one. The second one is the localization, which is ad revenue and on, uh, which is another uh, localization. Um, so we take your game, we put that, you know, that localization uh, layer on top of it, and then we help you scale it. The good news with especially indie game developers, one of the things that they uh, constantly ask me, where does the revenue come to? And what the way we have set up the entire practice is that all the revenue comes back to US. So rather than revenue staying in India, which is something that many publishers do or the marketers do, that local revenue stays in, in India. Um, and if that's the case, then it's kind of, they can use the fund for, uh, for the U.S. development and just uh, the life of the company. So what we have done is set up where the revenue comes directly back to U.S. So you can use that funds for any other reasons. We've got a question on Twitch, but I've got a question first. What is the difference between, because everyone on YouTube is talking about PUBG Lite. What is the difference between PUBG and PUBG Lite? Is PUBG Lite just what they named the mobile version? So they have the three versions, right? So there's PUBG the main one, right? Uh, then you have PUBG Lite, which is a lighter PC game. 
and then you have PUBG Mobile. So there are three different ones. The PUBG Mobile is the one that obviously is an Android iOS app, uh, and then PUBG Lite is the, the, the skinny down version of the core PUBG game or the main PUBG online game or PC game. I didn't even know that existed. Yep. Uh, all right, Andy, do we have a, can you grab Nightwolf's question? Nightwolf, uh, sure. He's, Nightwolf from Twitch says, would you say that in-game purchases are more accepted than ads for mobile games locally or globally? Uh, so global, so the answer would be globally, um, in-game purchases are more accessible. Uh, in India specifically, ads are more accessible. So in Indian user will watch five ads pay, uh, about paying, right? Um, so that's something that just culturally that we have practiced and we also looked at some of the other Asian markets. Uh, it's a similar concept. People don't mind watching ads, whether they have to watch five ads to even to get started. Uh, that's something they will do. Uh, but uh, in-app purchases is something very common in U.S. and EU uh, based on our personal experience. Are there any special restrictions on ads that developers need to be aware of for India versus other countries? Uh, yes, so there are definitely regulations. We have to um, um, go by, because if depending on how you are deploying the ad, uh, network, uh, whether if you're using Google's um, AdSense, right, as one of the technology. Google has a lot of rest restriction around um, uh, gambling, around violence, around sex, and so forth. So there are a lot of restrictions on uh, what may be considered as uh, a mon monetary ad revenue that may be uh, an issue. Um, so that's one area. Now, if you're using a localized ad uh, network, then the restrictions are somewhat relaxed, but you still have to follow the country's um, ad restriction on what can be shown and what cannot be shown. Same thing with alcohol, same thing with um, like even cigarettes, right? Um, so those are some of the, the restrictions that every country has. And uh, depending on where, um, what you want to do, you should be able to uh, configure those. And those are all configuration items in, inside our. Interesting. Uh, so GamerX has a question. Would you suggest making an esports team? Like how much can an esports team earn in India? Yeah, so that's, it's funny, you, uh, this question being asked because I was asked literally the same question on Wednesday. Um, and there are some team members that are making $100,000, right? Which is a huge, a huge amount for Indian market. If you look at the average person, right? They make anywhere from four to $500 a month. Um, so it's um, from that perspective, this is a huge um, you know, amount and huge investment. Um, there are, uh, this is an emerging market. Uh, this is an emerging market that we are definitely uh, from an investment perspective. Uh. I mean, I think it's it's going to be the same everywhere. It, it's not hard to start an esports team. I mean, that we have the technology, but it's, it is extremely hard to be competitive and to win and to actually make money doing it. That's correct, yeah. And this is where uh, to start an esports you obviously need the talent, but the second one would be... Uh, uh, the brand sponsorship right now, it's, you can easily make a lot of money because there are very few teams uh, and, and these people can um, uh, generate a lot of revenue uh, because it's an emerging market. So, I mean, diving down that rabbit hole for a second, how do you go about finding a sponsor for a new team? So uh, there are a lot of uh, partners. Uh, one is us, but there are a lot of partners that um, that allow used to scout and and do scouting on the the talent and the and the brands. So, like for example, uh, we we can connect you to Audi, for example, or Red Bull, um, or um, even Pepsi. Like those are the typical brands that will do a lot of sponsorship. Along with Samsung is another one, which investment. And then you have. Uh, uh, Huawei, right? Another uh, company that does a lot of investments into the esports team. Um, so there's influencer uh, network, um, and right now the good news is that that influencer network is very limited. Um, that you can reach out to and really get the sponsorship. 
but you have to find somebody uh, who has done it before and who has the local credibility um, that can get you the, the right level of brand sponsors. <clears throat> It's always interesting. I mean, go, go ahead. Do you have something, Andy? Oh, I was going to say that comment there from Pac Maniac, but you addressed it. Thanks, Pac Maniac. Pac Maniac says, Hey, Jay, I've been listening to you and Andy's podcast for a while now. They're a big help in starting out as a game dev. Nice to finally see you live. That's awesome. I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm excited yeah. about, you know, all of, all of this stuff because it is, I mean, I want the reason we do these shows is to bring awareness and to teach developers about all these different avenues. And I think if you sit down, you know, as an indie and you look at all the different opportunities that you have globally, I mean, there's still, this isn't something that's like capped. I mean, you have, you know, countries like India with a billion people who are still considered developing when it comes to, you know, mobile games. So, there is so much opportunity out there. You know, we just want to make sure that people understand it, that they know it, you know, that they know who to reach out to, to, to find it. Uh, you know, we, Raj is on our, our discord now, so you can find Raj and pretty much anyone else who's ever been on our show along with 850 some other companies uh, on our discord. And that's just discord.gg slash indie game business. Um, but, but I mean, this is, this is fascinating. This is wonderful knowledge that we've got here. I mean, we're getting close on time, but I mean, are there any other aspects of the market or of user acquisition that you want to add here, Raj? Yeah. So the key, um, the only thing, I mean, this is a great conversation to me. I'm, I'm just sharing my experience over the last 10 plus years being in the industry and being on the, as a developer and especially looking at how struggling this market is, especially for indie developers. Um, the One of the key stats that you may also know this is there are half a million games produced um, um, just worldwide. Uh, and out of that half a million games that are produced every year, more than half a million now, um, only less than... 0.001% become successful, right? So um, um, so this is an opportunity where, as an indie developer, you have to think outside the box uh, because you're competing with many of the big studio, AAA studios. Uh, and if you want to survive and thrive, not just survive, but also thrive, you have to go into um, a, an emerging market, whether it is uh, India. China used to be that market five years ago. Uh, and many companies did that, right? And they capitalized successfully, and now they are all billion-dollar companies. Um, so this is an opportunity where you have a one point almost four billion people uh, that are uh, hungry for U.S. content. And I, I, I stress the word: uh, they love U.S. culture and content. Um, and we, you can see that by just behavior-wise, from uh, Netflix and Amazon and um, uh, and many of the games, right? PUBG, Call of Duty, and and many of the games. Uh, it's just a, a right market for, for indie developers to explore and, and, and also explore at a, um, a very minimum cost because that's something that I always focus on is that you don't have to lose your shirt to enter an emerging market like India. Uh, you're talking about a few thousand dollar um, uh, trial market that you try it out, and if it works, then you double down. Uh, if it doesn't, then you obviously uh, find another market that may be more suitable for your game. So I'm sorry, Raj. We've had like multiple questions come in here. Uh, <laughs> Indy, if you can get to that, I'll dig out Raj's contact info because that was actually one of the questions. All right. Uh, yeah, the contact info. Also, you can look on the uh, right above his head, right there, and that's his Twitter. Next Gen TM. Let's see. Uh, Anikat Parker says, "I've been following the stream for a while and truly excited that esports is being considered in India." But what would be a proper guideline as a professional player? That is a super vague question, but let's see. Can you answer that? <laughs> yeah, that's um, high-level guideline, right? So, so one of the key elements would be if you do any, uh, any of the cheating mechanism, right, then you'll be banned, right? So that's something, uh, as a player, uh, you always want to um, follow all the, all the rules. CSGO is another example. Uh, where uh, many of the game developers uh, and the gamers too, if they, you cheat, you get banned, right? Same thing with Fortnite, you get banned for uh, six months or even a year or even longer. 
So just having ethical standards when you play the games, uh, especially esports front. Uh, and then also, uh, if people need uh, a direct email, I, I'm, I'm more than happy to share my email too, which is uh, uh, Raj, R-A-J, at nextgentm.com. So you can email me directly at that email address. Uh, I personally check every single email. Um, so, um, so, and I can help you with the launch or any questions. I mean, forget about the business part. Uh, I'm here to serve the community, especially. And I love learning from the community too. So that's something... If you have a question, if you have a, um, any thought, share your ideas with me. All right, there was, there, there was another question, but I, I don't, it was a, I, I don't know exactly what it was. It was from Pac-Maniac. Only US content or Western content? I'm not sure what he was speaking about, though. So. Oh, I think you're talking about content that was in, content that is applicable to India. Yeah, Pac-Maniac, it's actually, it, it's both, you know, U.S. content and, you know, stuff from the EU as well. That's correct, yeah. And, and there, as I said, there's very little localization that is needed. So that's something, uh, as an indie game developer who are also resource-constrained, uh, you can take your existing title and launch as is, because you're talking about an English-speaking country, unlike other countries like China, right? Most of the people, especially this demographics of gamers, are all speaking English, so you don't have to even uh, do any translation. In fact, if you kept your uh, audio and video in the um, uh, U.S. language with U.S. accent, <laughs> let's just say it that way, uh, it's much beneficial because then people will say, oh, I'm playing a U.S. game. So there's this, this proud component that, uh, that goes along with uh, keeping the same audio visualization and everything else. That's interesting. So, with, with my southern accent, we could like totally pull off a very authentic. Oh, oh you you'd be like a rock star out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. So, right, so Rula, you, you got here a little bit late. We covered a lot of that in here. So, he's asking the best way to reach Indian users with an indie game. We're gonna wrap up in just a second. Go back and watch the very beginning of this. And then if you have questions, hop in the Discord um, and, and we can ab absolutely answer them. But Raj, thank you so much for, I mean, it, it, it's early for you and I know it's early for Andy too, but we wake him up twice a week at this It's not that early, it's so. 10 a.m. <laughs> it's early-ish. So, I mean, because we're all gonna be working from home apparently due to the coronavirus. I have so. no idea what that's like. Yeah, I know me either. <laughs> 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 we had I had somebody on Twitter ask they're like what are we going to do when our kids are home from school and I'm like honestly I've been doing it my kids eight we've been doing this for a while and the time you save working from home by not being in stupid meetings all day long in an office totally makes up for the time that you have to you know be a dad be a parent while while they're around so um, thank you much you know. Anybody you have questions, like I said, there's, he's on the Discord. If you need a ticket to our event next week, go to IndieGame.Business. We've got over 700 companies. You've got five days, 24 hours a day to book meetings. You don't have to know anybody. Everybody says right there in their planning exactly what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, you use the code IndieDevs, I-N-D-I-E-D-E-V-S, and you'll get 50% off the ticket. Um, Raj, thank you much, man. I appreciate no. it. It was awesome. And you're welcome back anytime. Oh, thank you, Jay. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Indy, for organizing. Yeah, um, thank you. I'm, I'm, and yeah. just just know I'm, that uh, also this the all this and all the other um, broadcasts are on anchor.fm slash Indie Game Business. So you can listen to them while you're driving to work, riding the bus, sitting at your desk. Uh, this will be up there pretty soon. And we've got some new sponsors. Woo! on their podcast so that's pretty exciting you'll hear that during the podcast yeah <laughs> yep. anything I else Jay? we're good all right thank you so much thank see you next you. week oh wait we're not going to be live next week because yeah, we're not going to be good god don't put that on me too we're not going to be live next week <laughs> five shows next week okay no we, we won't be live we'll next be week live the week after, after next yeah. all right okay. thank you guys so much thank you okay 
Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at IndieGame.Business.